Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Good morning. My name is David and today's scripture is from Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at, the, at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and praise God to, to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. Uh, my name is Brittany, and I'm the pastor here, and it's so good to have you on this, what is turning out to be a beautiful day after a really crappy few days, yeah? Um, before we begin, let us start with prayer. Holy and gracious God, for the gift of story, for the ways that we see you and know you and encounter you in your holy word. We give you thanks. Open our eyes to the scripture passage. Open our hearts to your heart. Open our ears to hear and know who you are. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, God. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last year, uh, a Princeton professor of psychology and public affairs put out his curriculum vitae on Twitter. You know, like resume, in case nobody's in the education field. And so this sounds, you know, a little odd. Who tweets their resume? Maybe lots of people, I don't know. But what made this really odd is that it wasn't a resume of successes, it was a resume of all of his failures. Uh, so. So everything that stung him the most in his experience and that he remembered, because he, he acknowledged that some things he failed at he probably didn't remember and they didn't make it, but everything that he had failed at and that stung and hurt really bad, he put it out in the Twitter sphere for everybody to see. So can you imagine this CV of failures? Um, it's all the degree programs that he applied to and didn't get into. It was all of the academic positions that he had interviewed for, but, um, and even made campus visits for, but then did not receive. It was um, all of the scholarships and awards that he had applied for and hoped for, but got denied. Why would he do this? 
He did it because, he said, because there is a false understanding of what success is. That we, um, we only often share our successes with the world and it sets up this idea that we never fail. And he said the reality is that we fail as often as we succeed. But how many of you, like the last time you tweeted something out or posted on Facebook or Instagram, posted a disaster in your life? Something that went really wrong. Yeah. How many of you posted something really great or an accomplishment you got? Yeah, right? We never share our failures. We don't want to look bad, right? So he said that um, he wanted the CV of failures to balance the record and provide some perspective for people. That sometimes we fail because we just didn't do a good enough job, and sometimes we fail because it's just completely out of our hands. The selection committee didn't like our application, or um, there was just another person that happened to be better at the position, or you know, maybe we're playing a sport and the referee is just having a bad day, right? Sometimes we just fail because it's out of our hands. We mess up, we fail just as often as we get it right. Sometimes, uh, uh, yeah, so let me say that. We fail just as often as we get it right. So that got me to thinking, and don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to say this, but what would happen if you decided to publish your own CV of failure? What would make the list? What are the moments in your life where you have hit rock bottom and you feel completely humiliated and you don't want anybody to know? What's in your CV of failure? When have you been told that your best is not good enough? What job have you not gotten that you really wanted? What relationships have you lost? What cooking recipe have you failed at? I don't want to make it all serious, right? What new sport or hobby did you really suck at? What promotion did you not get? What New Year's resolution did you fail to keep? And as you think about your CV of failure, how much of that is really like you can own it, and how much of it is extenuating circumstances that are completely out of your control. The interesting thing about failure is that uh, we think it's all in our control, but it's not, right? Sometimes our boss is having a bad day. Sometimes the selection committee is biased. Sometimes the person that you meet on Grindr and you thought you were going to have a relationship with ends up they weren't honest with you. And they wanted something else. I saw a couple smiles out there <coughs> talking to you. <laughs> and the thing about failure is we don't get credit for trying hard. Just because we try hard, if we fail, that's what we still take with us. We don't think, oh, well, I tried hard. It doesn't matter, right? Uh, so as people of faith, I think it's important to ask, what does God think of our failures? How does God see our failures? What does it mean to view ourselves through the eyes of God in light of our failures? We begin this sermon series today, and I can't remember, I never remember the titles of sermon series. It's either failing boldly or failing faithfully. Um, I want to say boldly because that's one of our like, 
core values, but it might be faithfully, whatever. <laughs> failing, just failing. It's about failing. Our uh, lead pastor, uh, Christian Kuhn, has a book coming out sometime soon. It was supposed to be in March and then April and then May. I think it's in June now. When is it? June, okay, Amazon says June. And it's also called Failing Either Boldly or Faithfully. What is it, do you know? Okay. It's the same title. Is it Boldly? Okay, yes. Good, I got it right. So Failing Boldly. I saw in the last service somebody checked in on Facebook and they said Failing Faithfully as their like title. And so I was like, oh, I messed that up. I failed, but they did, not me. <laughs> I won't say who it is. <laughs> That's okay. I failed last service by calling Josh Mark like 10 times in a row, so it's, it's okay. Um, now I have to find my notes. <laughs> so over the next three weeks, we want to explore what it means to fail. What it means to fail um, in all aspects of our life and, and what it says about who we are and how God sees us. Uh, because what I know about God, what I see as the universal message of Christian faith, is that God takes failure and resurrects it. I mean, that's kind of what it means to be a Christian, right? The failure of the cross turned into resurrection. And so we're going to be exploring what it means to fail boldly and how God uses that into moments of resurrection in our life. Now, you may be asking, Pastor Brittany, that's a beautiful idea, and I don't see that message in the scripture passage today. And I agree. I love this scripture passage, and I hated it all week long because I couldn't find failure in it. How many of you guys were in a small group? Um, how many of you guys are in a small group? Raise your hand. Okay. If you're not, we have uh, small group brochures out in um, the foyer, and you can pick one up, and there's uh, lots of small groups that um, are a great place to build community, um, to get to know one another. We're, uh, we're in week four, a starting point. When that finishes, it's going to turn into a small group, and so that would be another option. So if you're interested in that, you can put it on your tear-off or not, but... Our small groups study the passage the week before um, Sunday. So this week, all y'all in the small group have been studying this passage, right? And I heard from one small group leader that they were shooting darts at him or dag daggers from their eyes because they said, this passage does not talk about failure. And he was like, I know, but it's what they gave us. And that's how I felt all week. I'm like, where's the failure? Did anybody else feel that in their small group? Did y'all even discuss the scripture? Just kidding. Just kidding. So one idea that I was supposed to present to you, but I, I don't believe in, is that Jesus failed. That um, he had a bad ROI, return on investment, because he healed 10 people and only one came back to give thanks. And so I was supposed to say, like, that, that's a failure. But I don't see it because, uh, because I don't think Jesus healed to get thanks. I, that's not the Jesus I know. Uh, Jesus healed because he is a person of mercy and compassion. And he saw people in great pain and healed them. 
I mean, leprosy, like, it's an awful condition. It, uh, what it does is it, um, it disforms your skin and you end up getting bumps all over. And, um, uh, it misshapes you. But also it, uh, the nerve endings in your um, body become numb. They no longer send the signal to your brain that they can feel anything. And so what happens is people get injured and they don't know they're hurt. And so then they have wounds that they don't tend to and they're repeatedly... Uh, they're repeatedly injured and they don't realize it because they can't feel their body. It's an awful condition. And back in the time of Jesus, the, uh, the, um, everybody thought it was a highly contagious disease. It's actually not. But they thought it was a highly contagious disease. And so the way that they protected themselves from those who had leprosy was to make those that had leprosy to live out on the edge of town. There's a great deal of shame in that. And, and I would imagine that um, there was a great deal of blame, like you, didn't, you failed at preventing to get leprosy. Sort of like blame the victim, right? And everywhere they went, they, um, they had to like yell out, um, unclean, unclean. It's in Numbers, it tells you that. The book of Numbers. I, I don't recommend that for homework tonight. Um, actually, it's kind of interesting, but... Um, so they had to yell out, unclean, unclean. And can you imagine the shame that these folks embodied? All because they have a disease that they couldn't help? And so I, I don't think that this healing was about an ROI. It was about changing the lives of 10 people who have been living in shame. Jesus healed them to show us that there is no disease in this world that can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. So yeah, I threw that idea out and then I had to sit with the scripture again. What am I gonna say? And so then I uh, was playing with the text and I found a mistake in the text. That always makes me really excited when I find like a, something that I can be like, oh. Um, and it's a mistake, it's a failure of either, either Jesus failed to ask for directions and he got lost, or the author of the book of Luke uh, does not know his geography and he failed in that. So let me show you, if you guys can bring up this um, map that I have. See, now the book of Luke, um, the whole book of Luke is about Jesus um, going from his hometown in Nazareth, way up there, to uh, his journey down here in Jerusalem, right? And so uh, we see, if we were to read the book of Luke and look for geography, we could see um, places mentioned all the time. So I'm going to throw a couple of those out. So in uh, Luke 4, uh, Jesus is up in Nazareth. That's that story where he gets rejected in the temple. Remember that? kind of gets kicked out. So that kicks us off there up in Luke. Well, I mean, I guess the stable kicks us off, but then um, Nazareth uh, getting kicked out of the temple. And then uh, we, we see that in Luke chapter 7, um, see name up there? That's that story, if you remember, where uh, Jesus uh, raises the widow's son. He gets resurrected. Now, I will say that's a fun story. If you haven't read it, look up Luke 7. That can be your homework for today. And then uh, we see, like, chapters uh, 8 through 12, there's, there's no location mentioned, so we don't really know exactly where that was. Um, but uh, then we see that chapters uh, 13 through 18 take place in this area called Perea. 
So right down here, right? So we go from Nazareth to Nain, down here to Perea. Chapters, most of chapters 13, 18 to take place there, except for chapter 17. What we read today, how does chapter 17 end up? It, it, or start, it starts by saying, um, on the way to Jerusalem, okay, that seems right, Jesus was going through the re- region between Samaria and Galilee. So he was here, and then somehow he, on his way to Jerusalem, you see? So either Jesus got lost and didn't ask for directions, he failed, or the author of Luke failed because he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. So I thought this was kind of fun, and I was like, maybe I can preach about that, but then I was like, really? It's not the gospel, right? And, and, and it doesn't, in, in, in the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter, right? It doesn't really matter because still the story is that these 10 people who were holding on to shame, whom society shamed, God saw and healed. So it doesn't really matter. It was interesting, but it didn't matter. And so I'm seriously like, God, what am I going to preach about this week? Seriously. And uh, then I finally woke up yesterday and had an idea, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Uh, Now you know how I construct my sermons. It's a lot of screaming and prayer. Uh, But while I was waiting for God to tell me what I'm supposed to say, I just started reading all about failure. I listened to podcasts on failure. I read articles about failure. And there was all of this, like, failure's great. We learn so much from failure. It teaches you who you are. It lets you um, invent new things. If you don't fail big, you won't, you won't win big, right? And, and I was reading about these companies that, like, reward their employees for failing big. There was one company that, um, that the, the group that messed up the most got a week's paid vacation. Like, they paid for them to go on vacation, um, so I was like, yeah, this is good. I can remember when I was a manager at Starbucks and my, uh, my district manager was super supportive of me being innovative and trying new things and knowing that sometimes I would fail and sometimes I would succeed. Um, yeah, I totally get that. But where I stumbled was, I think it's one thing to fail in a business endeavor to risk big and to, you know, I'm gonna try this idea and if it doesn't work, oh well, I'll have learned something. It's a lot different to fail in a relationship with another person. It's a lot different to feel like I failed in my journey of faith. The stakes seem higher, don't they? Like, okay, I can mess up in the business world, but I don't wanna mess up this relationship. I don't want to mess up um, how I connect with God. What if I do the wrong thing? I don't want to fail in my prayer life or my scripture study life, right? Don't the stakes seem higher? And when we do fail, when we do fail, sometimes we internalize that failure. And instead of saying, I failed at this task, the message in our head is more like, 
I am a failure. I want you to think, I'm not going to ask you to shout anything out because this is super personal. I want you to think about the worst mistake or the greatest failure you ever had in your life. What was the language with yourself around that? How did you think of yourself? Did you say, oh, I made a mistake? Or did you say, oh my God, I am a mistake? I think the thing about failure is that we don't want to do it because we don't want to prove that internal dialogue, that internal tape to be true. But it's in our very places of brokenness. It's in that internal dialogue that we have. It's in, it's in um, the scriptures that we read. It is in that very place of brokenness and vulnerability when we mess up the most, when we think we are not worthy. That's when Jesus steps in and sees us. Not just like, oh yeah, I, I saw so-and-so, but sees us sees all that internal dialogue, sees the shame that we're holding on to. And he says, go and show yourselves to the priest, which really means leave from this place of pain and go forward and be made clean and whole. See yourself as I see you, as beloved not as you see you. Failure on a personal level is so hard that sometimes I think we, uh, sometimes I think we fail by not being bold. So let me give an example. We have so many great ministry leaders here at UVC. Raise your hand if you are a leader in ministry. Yeah, okay, everybody else should be clapping, yeah. And I saw some of you not raising your hands. One of the universal problems uh, here at UVC Edgewater, at UVC Wicker Park, Hyde Park, South Loop, um, at the church that I was a part of when when I was a leader, one of the universal problems that people say is, we don't have enough people that want to share in this ministry. We don't have enough volunteers or whatever you want to call them, right? Yep. Yep. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And I have asked our leaders, and, and when I was a leader, I was asked this question. How many people have you invited into ministry this week or this month? And I remember my response, and I remember the response of leaders that I've talked to. It's usually... None. And if I think about myself and when I was in that position and and others, if we dig into that, the failure is not like that you don't care about the ministry. The the not asking is is not because you don't care. It's actually you care so much. I cared so much about my ministry that I didn't want to get rejected. You know, how much rejection can a girl handle? Apparently, Josh is the only one that can handle 48 rejections. 
But you know, like if I love my ministry area so much and I invite someone in it, into it and they say no, then I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? I thought this was a fun ministry. What, you know, like that, that self-talk. And so we just don't ask. Because we don't want to fail. We don't want to get rejected. Can I get an amen? Is this true? But I think... Uh, what the lepers show us, what the, the people who were healed show us is that we have to be bold. And in that boldness, sometimes we will get rejected. And sometimes we won't. So uh, I'm going to show you a short clip from a TED Talk. Um, and it is... Uh, I've showed parts of this clip before, but it's good, it's timeless, you know, and everybody can watch it and love it. Um, it's from Brene Brown, and she is talking in this part about failing. And to begin with, she's talking about failing sort of in a business venture sort of way, but by the end of it, you can tell she's actually just like talking about failing in life, okay? So... It's a great TED talk if you want to see the whole thing, uh, but we don't have time today. So to dare greatly, you know where the failure is in the scripture passage today? Well, we don't see it. It's the 32 other times that the lepers saw anybody and everybody come in to the town and they begged for mercy. Day after day after day. They asked for mercy, and they were denied. They were rejected. But day after day after day, they kept asking for mercy. Some could say that that was a failure, that they got rejected, but they kept asking, and you know what happened? One day Jesus showed up and gave them mercy said, I see you, and you are worthy of love and compassion. I see you, and you are beloved. You are not full of shame. You are beloved. And so I think about that, and I wonder if I, I wonder if you, if we, have as much courage, as much boldness as these folks with leprosy did. I wonder what would happen if we could be rooted in our identity of God's belovedness, if that would allow us to fail boldly, to live life boldly, knowing that there will be failures and successes. So, we like to think that our success is who we are. And that our failures, and then in turn we also think our failures are who we are. But the good news, the gospel, 
is actually that uh, your, your, your successes, the best things that you've done in your life, are not you. They aren't who you are. And neither are your failures. Who you are is God's beloved. Who you are is someone worthy of receiving mercy and love and compassion. Who you are is someone that is unconditionally loved by God. So go forth today knowing that the winds of success and failure will continue to blow, but your anchor is in a God who loves you and knows you and gives you unconditional mercy and compassion. Amen.